0: Welcome to Open Studio Conversations on Art, brought to you by Graves and Mallet Art Solutions. I'm your co-host, Denise Mallet. In this podcast, my partner, Leslie Graves, and I explore the amazing world of visual arts through the lens of art lovers, just like you. By sharing extraordinary stories, conversations, and interviews with artists, collectors, gallery owners, curators, and more, all of whom have embraced visual arts by changing lives to establishing legacies as well as building world-renowned collections. Today on Open Studio, Leslie and I had the opportunity to tour the design space and studio of artist Rob Henderson. Rob is a sculptor that specializes in metals and an arborist for nearly three decades. In today's interview, Rob shares with us his love for being in the garden, why he works with metal, and he gives us a wonderful insight on art in Detroit and how he says there's nothing like the soul of Detroit. We definitely understand that. What an amazing interview we have in store for you when we return. Welcome to our studio audience. It's always great to have one of our conversations on art. Leslie and I are here today with Rob Henderson. It's becoming, and I said this as a tradition, but people are really loving this. Uh, that we open our podcast with a few fun facts around our our guests today. Our fun facts are usually something they don't know but very tasteful to see if it's fun to loosen them up to get the day to get our interview started. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to hand it over to Leslie
1: from here. Okay well Rob
0: I have gathered some fun
1: facts about you. These are things that you know but you may not know that I know. Uh So I understand you are one of a group of seven male children, is that right? Yes. All right, and that you enjoyed vegetable gardening with your mom as a very young person, and there were two levels of enjoyment. One, you had your mom all to yourself, and two, you enjoyed the earth and combined the elements of sun and rain, converging on seeds, resulting in crops.
0: Uh, oh, how true is that It's
2: <laughs> so very accurate <laughs>
1: that's so true and you have been an arborist for 30 plus years mm-hmm. and always recognizing your artistic talent mm-hmm. even before uh, becoming a professional arborist how accurate is that
2: that's true again oh Okay. Yeah, so we're doing good with our... Leslie's being yeah. great with her investigation
0: and finding out fun things. Yes. Anything else? Well, I'd like to stop here because I don't have uh, any more
1: resource material to drop off, <laughs> but I will say this. Um, you know, I know you've done some fabulous Zen gardens around Detroit, and one of our friends, the beloved Janet Jones, yes. uh, owner of Source Booksellers, first introduced me to her Zen garden, and I think during a visit when she lived in Lafayette Park. I actually saw you uh, putting the finishing touches on this phenomenal Zen garden. But you are a um, metal sculptor yes. now, and probably before you've been working on in metal. But why metal? Since you come out of a tradition of arborism, mm-hmm. and why not wood, why metal? How did you decide on metal?
2: I like metal because of his uh, permanence and his ability to perform over time.
1: And when you say perform over time, can you just share with our audience, expand on that
2: thought? Well, oftentimes after we complete, after I complete a piece uh, and install it, I think that it'll be here long after I'm gone, Mm -hmm. and that's the performance to me. And it'll be here, if not thrown away, it'll be here for a very, very long time because of his properties. Mm-hmm.
1: So tell us when you began working in metal.
2: Um, it started about, maybe about 17 years ago, not having any training. I was attracted to it, how it would stand and, and how it again performed. And I met some local artists. Richard Bennett is one, oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I worked in the studio with him for several years and I learned some things from him as well. So and you're
0: self-taught. Yes. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at, I mean, some of your pieces are beautiful. I mean, maybe we can describe some of the scale and what mm-hmm. they look like, but what inspires you to, uh, I was looking at a, what looks like a model and mm-hmm. it, for our listening audience, it, it looks like a triangle, triangle uh, kind of this dual mm-hmm. set. I mean, maybe you can articulate it better, but mm-hmm. what inspires you to you know, create And I gave you a two-part question in
2: terms of scale because they're beautiful and large. Yes. Um, First of all, I think triangles and circles, which is what I'm focusing in on now, are some really simple forms that we learn to achieve as children. Uh, Just achieving, drawing a complete circle is a big achievement for a child. I know it was for me. Mm -hmm. And then even a triangle. And it has, to me, some really deep meanings and thoughts for us. And so I think that's the reason my customers or my client, is easy for them to relate to it. Wonderful.
1: Mm -hmm. Wonderful. The circle series, um, although I understand it started in 2013, circles Mm. are very prominent throughout your work. And can you elaborate on the circle, the importance?
2: Yes. Uh, When it first started out, I was thinking about the narrative of being just a circle of life. But as we continued building the circles, uh, <clears throat> they started having more meaning, in particular to the client that would want the piece. Mm-hmm. And so it allowed me to understand what it meant to them and how important it was for them to have it in their space.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So when you start a piece, do you consult? Is it you? you envision it, you let people take a look at it, and they come and purchase it? or do you sit down and, and do um, a kind of individual um, um, commissions for work, or, or, or both, I don't know, how, how, do, how does that start? Well,
2: simply because I focus in on the circles, the client that finds me is just engaged with circles themselves. Okay. So we have a, an understanding on first what they would want, the circles. Then second, after I visit their site, Or their home or the location where the installation is going to go. I just do a personal study of shapes, sizes, uh, the scale that's necessary for this space, Mm -hmm. and what's important to the client after we discuss things. Color, shape, sizes, uh, the craftsmanship of the work. They don't want, they want craftsmanship at the highest level. We discuss those things and then I come home and I Sit in my space in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Listen. I talked about that, and that's where the process begins for me. If that's relatable. Yeah,
0: no, that was great. Mm-hmm. So the
1: client's assessing you, but you're assessing the client as well. Yes. And then you come up with a concept, and then you present them with a model at that point. Yes. Before the work actually. Yes.
2: Began. And if they like the model and they want to hire me, then the commissions started at that point. And uh, for a little caveat, I often give them the motto as uh, a gift. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's, that's
1: yeah. wonderful. Now I know that you have been an entrant in Art Prize for several years in Grand Rapids. Is it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I a, That's an international art competition. Yeah.
2: When it started, I was interested in, in entering the show that first year, but I wasn't ready. And I would go up and just hang out around the art show and watch all the installations, and the energy was great. And I wanted to be a part of that. And I think I prepared a piece two years later and entered it into the show and selected by the Contemporary Museum there in Grand Rapids. And so for me, that made me feel like there was a curator looking at my work, and they thought it had some merit. Okay. And um, that, that show was great. I enjoyed that. And what year was that? Do you remember? Um, that's an interesting, remember is interesting for my age group. Uh, <laughs> I think it was 2013 or 14, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That Sorry. was the beginning of the Circle Series um, outside of the city of Detroit because I also did the Circle Series at the River Days. Initially, there was a River Days art show and Richard Bennett and uh, the young man you just mentioned, Donald. Calloway was in it, and a lot of regional artists was in that show. Oh, that's tremendous. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you've been a pretty regular
1: at our price since 2013, I understand.
2: Yeah, I did take one year off, okay. and then I went back. I think they're doing it every other year now. That's correct. Which so means?
0: 2020, do you yes. plan to be an entrant?
2: Yes, I'd love to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So can I take us back just a little bit mm-hmm. um, in, in the starting of your career as an artist? At what moment did you feel you kinda identified yourself as an artist? You know? Was it someone saying they said, gosh, you're an artist, you you shouldn't was it someone tapping your shoulder <laughs> saying it? Yeah. Or did you kind of come to terms that this is what I want to do, hmm. this is where I'm at? And,
2: I don't know. That's kinda like walking out on the tightrope and then someone says, Hey, you're in the tightrope. Oh, the tightrope. <laughs> you're in the tightrope. Uh no, it was um that was a challenge for me because I just simply enjoyed doing it. I didn't want to put a label to say that, hey, you're an artist now, and so you have to perform at this level. Um, I was excited about putting my work out there first and on some kind of level it being accepted or thinking that it may be accepted or it may not be good enough. So that was kind of like vulnerable space for me. Right. You know, because you do something creative, everyone's not going to like it. So you've got to be able to handle that. And the return or the feedback I was getting was pretty good. Nice. And then my buddy Richard Bennett says to me, after entering me in a show in Flint, he says, Rob, you're an artist because I say you're an artist. I love I was it. like, yeah, let's I do it. I love it. it. <laughs> I love that. And that was a paying gig too. So I'm like, yeah, let's let's go with that. Yeah, so uh, yeah. that was a confirmation for me. And uh, But I still sometimes when you say artists, it's like sometimes I consider myself a maker because I make stuff. Yes you know,
0: yes.
2: outside of my training. Mm-hmm. So I'm a maker of think
0: Well, I think once, I think once if someone purchases a piece, that mm-hmm. really helps validate that too. You yes. remember the first, maybe not the amount, but kind of the feeling you had when you, can you share with us that feeling of selling one, your work of art?
2: Yeah, at first it was kind of like, it was anxiety separation, like a, <laughs> this is a piece I really love. And separating from it was difficult. But when the check, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's <laughs> anxiety went away. If it's okay for me to say that on this. Is it okay? is, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so when the check came across, and I have a picture of it as well, the first check that, was, that made sense. I love that. When it came across the table, I was like, well, you can keep this, and I can visit with you to take a look at it. Okay. And actually, less than I was talking, I have a piece in Farmington that some days when I'm feeling a little blue, I'll drive by my place, the spot that I have an installation in Farmington, I love that. and look at it and just come on back home. Because that was a space where I was inspired. It's, it's permanent. It's permanent. Yes. And so I can go and look at it and say, that space when I was making this, I was inspired. Yeah. Now
1: tell us about your um, group shows. Oh, I understand that you have participated in group shows at the
2: Birmingham Bloomfield Art Association and maybe with Dale Pryor? Yes. Uh, That was at the very beginning of my career. And uh, I was encouraged by a teacher that I had in the Bloomfield, uh, Cranbrook Bloomfield Art Association. He says, Rob, you have a talent and you should put it out there. And my work was really raw. I didn't think that it meant very much. And so I put it out there and I feel very confident about that and I continue to do it.
1: And what is your association or had been your association with Bill Pryor Gallery?
2: Um, I did some work with her as well. I I showed at her um, gallery 2014-15, somewhere in that area. And it was um, local, probably one of my second local shows. And that was along with Jack Johnson and some other people that I thought, and I still think very highly of. And
1: mm-hmm. what is going on in Texas? Do you have a commission
0: there? In or
2: Texas. A piece there? Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh, Texas. well, you know, wow. <laughs> we did, I did the art prize in 2017 and a, a gallery out of um, Texas contacted me. We had contact about doing the commission in Indianapolis of the Circle Series. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that was a, built my confidence in regards to my path and my work. But that project didn't come through and, but it was, really was a confident builder for me. Wonderful.
1: Mm-hmm. When is your next project or what project are you working on currently?
2: Can I disclose that for real?
0: I mean, if you That's feel one like one it. Day. Listen, we want our our, uh, it, okay. our listeners to know what's the oh. next big Rob Henderson Pete, though, project well, you're working on.
2: I got to, I, I'm i working on a, just a small model for a client, and it, the deal hasn't been closed yet, so I want to kind of okay. hold hold tight on that. Fair enough.
1: Okay. Right. What is your practice, though? Do you uh, work in your beautiful studio? Mm-hmm. In the rear of your residence, mm-hmm. on a daily basis, Do you have some kind of ritual. I, I listen to Colson Whitehead, the writer, and he says, "Just before he works, he cries." <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> do you have a, a, a ritual before you work?
2: Um, I I would think so. Uh, I can identify one that when I'm really Finishing the piece, I like fire, uh, a fire pit, or mostly a fire pit. I like that going. Um, I really do like the fire going. And my work is done in the rear of my residence, so it's outside. and I like the outdoors and the landscape and the whole connection.
1: So what do you do in the winter months? We're in Michigan, so how do you... Execute your practice in the
2: winter months. Are you working outdoors? Oh, not so much anymore. You know, there's probably a continuation of a project that wasn't finished in the fall. And of course, you choose the best days to work outside. Um, Some artists or even some professionals think themselves as lazy if they're not performing, but I don't think about it like that. I think when I'm laying back like this, I'm actually planning and I am. You are as well. And even your drive-in from today that mm-hmm. that altered your time, you still use your brain to plan, and I think of that of, of that way. So I'm always processing and working out methods for something, Yes. and then when it's time to apply it, you can.
0: Yeah, I was gonna add on to that, I think in the same, frank, I guess, family of questions around your creative time. I mean, do you say every day I'm gonna spend an hour, you know, like a writer may say, I'm gonna write a page a day, do you just have moments of inspiration, or is it something that's ongoing?
2: Mm. It's ongoing for me. Yeah, the practice is ongoing daily. Daily. I, I like to also mix in uh, a lot of activity with my day, like exercising and, mm. and, and bike riding, and then I'll come back and continue to work.
0: wonderful. So at this time, we're going to take a quick pause and be right back with our conversation.
1: All right, we're back. And Rob, your work uh, was recently highlighted during the Palmer Woods uh, Home and Garden Show. Yes. So I know... Denise and I both got to observe some public commissions, if you will. Yes. Where do you see your art? Where is the correct placement for your art, in your opinion?
2: Um, I would like to see my work uh, alongside of fine cuisine. Food and art goes together very well. I like to see it at boutique hotels across the country, if we could do that and uh also i like to see it in sports arenas there's an interesting piece as well i think with the automobile classic cars and art it's another venue where you can sell or demonstrate or install your art alongside a classic motor car you know what greater way to show how it works in art and the industry as well Um, in regards to separation anxiety we talked about that earlier it's kind of like huge. What happens for me is that when you slide that check across the table, separation anxiety goes away. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so <laughs> um, yeah. And, it's,
0: and, and it's, I think it's also that, I, I hope, I mean, I, I'm not an artist in the, in the traditional sense, uh, but maybe my love for art is an artist, right? Um, but you also know that someone else is appreciated. Does, does that help you with the, the separation anxiety, you know, check excluded, to know that it goes, it lives on and someone yes, else
2: appreciates it. absolutely, yeah. it does. I'm a collector as well and I can appreciate the art of other artists and it's fulfilling for me to have a piece of Jack Johnson's in my home and knowing that what he put inside of that work and now I have it. So yes, it's a great deal of appreciation.
1: And thank you for showing that you have two large abstract works by Jack Johnson and one by Bowling Klein over my right shoulder that are just spectacular. So, but I don't see your work in your home.
2: Um, Let's see, actually inside of my home, I have my small pieces because of my work is scaling up now. The larger pieces are uh, outside. Um, I have in the past put some out front to uh, kind of bring art to the neighborhood. And it works. It really does. It, it, really does. It, it really does. It engages children and also adults. Art has absolutely no limit. It reaches everyone. I think so. It's no limit. Yes, it has it's, a language. Of the songs it right. does. And it's a really powerful way to change the landscape almost immediately. And it demands so much attention, you can get rid bit of uh, pollution and just debris in the neighborhood by adding art, I think. I really think so, you know.: yes. mm-hmm.
0: So I always like to ask this question of artists. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self as an artist? Oh, yeah. Like, you, right, already <coughs> yeah you already would, know. This. <laughs> write,
2: write down when you start, write down, for me, I write down where you want, how you want to see your work progress in five years hmm. and understand that, it's, that it will progress. And uh, identify the market that you want to work in. Mm-hmm. Find out what venues are available where you can either make some small cash or even get large visibility. And at some point, you have to put your work out there for free so that you can have visibility. Okay. Yeah, you need, to be, you need exposure. That's right. So when you, you engage with the community, you can do that. Wonderful. Mm-hmm.
0: So in in the current state of affairs, and I'm going to speak uh, two parts, like Detroit, Mm -hmm. kind of the art environment today, um, what's going on globally, um, maybe nationally, globally with African-American art, Mm. what are are your thoughts on the art world today for an African-American artist, Um, yourself in particular? Um, maybe others, and, and what are you seeing? Is it, you know, do you feel the positive energy moving? I'm seeing more and more articles that are speaking to, um, you know, how African American artists are still being measured by uh, quote unquote kind of a white America male, you know, to, to validate it as being master level work. Mm-hmm. I'm rambling with this, but I, I just want to get your feel on, you know, kind of the landscape for you in,
2: in this industry. That is a powerful question. I like that question a lot. Uh, Detroit-centered first. Okay. There's this energy that has always been here. You can think about Motown, right? Mm-hmm. That's a creative source that's here. It's in the earth here in Detroit. Nice. And you can see it now when you go to Hitzville, how everyone's coming to hang out at Hitzville. And I think now that that's moving out into, um, into the communities and is reaching people like myself and others that aren't artists. Mm-hmm. and it's showing now in regards to uh, the perception of African American art I think for me I'm a, a contemporary artist I can't be kind of like pigeonholed based on an African American you see my work and you don't really know that I'm an African American because it's my African American experience that I'm
1: portraying
2: nice. it's, 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 it's my experience in America that, that's visual now and I think that's what's happening for America in African-American artists, if I can say this, the artist that did Michelle Obama and the president yes. has given the world a view of our potential, our just unique greatness. Yes. Trained or untrained, we have an artistic voice. You know, it'd be more like torture for me not to, uh, to express myself artistically than yes. it would to hold it in. So I think I should express it. Yeah, and it's because of living here in Detroit. Detroit is an interesting place to grow up. Yes, it is. It really is. Yes. Mm-hmm. I
0: think we all have that, you know, the D. Yes. You know, in, in a good way. Yes. You know, it's like, this, oh, yeah. we're so yeah. loyal. Yes. Say, and,
2: and, and, so, and soulful. I mean, we are some soulful people here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Coming through the 60s, listening to Marvin Gaye and the Temptations was transformative. Yes. I mean, it really was. So Papa was a Rolling Redo. Stone. Right, <laughs> that right. was all transformative to everybody that listened. And I'm, I'm experiencing it today, and others are as well.
1: Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. There is a, a quote that I stumbled upon as a, a, tribute, a tribute to Langston Hughes that I think you connect with, and I want you to tell me why, and I'll read, read it to you. An artist must be free to choose what he does, certainly, but he must never be afraid to do what he must choose.
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm. Say that one more time, just so I can Please,
2: the right. second part especially. Yeah. Yes.
1: An artist must be free to choose what he does, certainly, but he must never be afraid to do what he must choose. Yes. Hmm.
2: Does that resonate with you? It does. I like to think about that one. That's, that's true. I, I like the first part about about being free as well. That's uh, always been my quest. Yes. Yeah, even when I was employed for someone, I had to find a way to uh, do my job and also have some freedom. Yes. yes. And so I'm a free-thinking man, and I've always been a free-thinking man. Nice.
0: What do you think Langston Hughes meant by that? Because, I mean, it, it's saying that, um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because you, you grab that quote, and, and, and I feel it, but you're right. You almost have to ruminate on that mm. a little bit, because it's,
2: yeah. well, it's
0: serious. I came across in an article about you. Mm.
1: So maybe it was the writer just matching the yes. length of human that's statement fantastic. with you and your art and what you represent. Oh, I need to read that.
0: This is this. a researcher at yes, best right research, here. Yeah. This is, that's, that's all that law, <laughs> her law oh, yeah. degree, okay. right? <laughs> Yeah. Um,
1: I think you captured it when you said you're a free-thinking person. Yes. And that even when you work for an employer, Yes you found ways to express yourself and to work and still be free and unencumbered. And it certainly is represented in your work environment and your approach to your work and your selection of materials. And even how you stated that when you meet with a potential client, Mm -hmm. the collaboration between yourself and the client when you are arriving at this commission Yes, 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 yes.
2: yes. Uh, The conversation, I think, begins um, uh, with a potential client when they get a chance to view my work, and the conversation begins there. And the niche is, for me, I think most important is to be able to marry the landscape, the home, and the sculpture. And there's a contrast that comes with that, as we know. There's a Tudor home with a contemporary piece of art in it that it's almost like taking a plaid suit and putting a checkered shirt with it in a Paisley tie. We talked about that earlier. <laughs> and that's classic. And you understand it when you see it, but if you're not really trained, you wouldn't know to go in and pick those three out to make it pop. That's right. and, and that's what um, contemporary art does for any location. It's the quickest way to change it for sure. That's right. Definitely. Or get someone's it definitely opinion. Definitely <laughs> give you a shout out. Hey, yeah. look
1: at me. Yeah. Because it's unexpected. Yes. It's yes.
2: yes. yes. unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And Several times, a recent client in, in Parma Woods, uh, after installation, she would say, But this isn't me. All of my friends know that this isn't me. But she was enjoying having it there for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah nothing else, the conversation. Right? Exactly. Yeah, it exactly. exactly. It just keeps it going. Yes, yeah. yes. It does that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And her home was a tuber
0: home. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, I know that. Yeah,
2: classic
0: fail. Mm-hmm. So, I, this question, uh, finally, you found a question or a quote. I, this was one of Oprah Winfrey said this is her favorite interview question. I'm going to ask this question for
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay. It said, What is the lesson that took you the longest to learn? And I won't go all your whole life. Let's mm. just say the art lesson. <laughs> mm. oh. What is the lesson that took you the longest to learn?
2: Wow. First thing I think is learn how to move, remove the friction. Mm. Whatever, whatever it is, is stopping you from moving. Whatever you're trying to move, it's not the size of what you're trying to move. It's the friction that's preventing you from moving it. And so I just learned to. Just think with common terms yes. on how to move forward. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's been my approach. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. This is, Leslie, I don't know if you have anything else to add, but what do we want our, our listeners to, if they want to contact you, if they want to learn more about your work or... Uh, commission you to do an amazing piece in their home or hotel that they own.
2: Mm.
0: How can they reach you? out?
2: Okay. They can reach me at uh, I'm going to give you my personal phone number because I like personal contact first. 313-378-1134. We'll get to know one another better that way first. And then if you want to go to my web page, which is um urbanartist.me www.urbanartist.me. You can reach me there and I'll be looking for your communication.
0: Wonderful.
2: Send me a shout out. <laughs> oh,
0: wow, this is um, Open Studio is so thankful to, you know, for you to welcome us into your space and see where you do all your work and creativity. Uh, thank you so much, Anna Leslie. Nice Leslie, has been an amazing
1: time and yes. we've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming, guys.
0: A special thanks to all our Open Studio sponsors. A special shout out to Stuart Skaggs and Kevin Crosby for the original music sco- score they so generously provided for this podcast. And thank you to our special guest today, Rob Henderson. If you'd like to contact Rob, please visit him on his website at urbanartist.me or contact him directly at area code 313-378-1134. We invite you to check out Open Studio each week when Graves and Mallet have the pleasure of hosting art creators and lovers just like you. Please visit our website at gravesmallet.art to learn more about our current projects, services, podcasts, and our latest blogs. Until our next conversation, Keep loving art.